here's what I wanted to talk about, Ben, today. We might only have a little bit of time because you and I have just used a lot of time to catch up with each other. It's always a pleasure. This is the thing that, that they, you know, you get about your, uh, your random coffee donut time. What did they call that in Zoom? Have, uh, remember in, in Zoom, in Slack, there was this movement among the, 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 the nerdy people to have, like, you'd set up this Slack bot and it would randomly assign someone to have a donut with or something. Wasn't it? Because oh, it yeah. was called the donut channel or something. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, it's good to have donuts with people uh, and, and to plan that out. But I've been helping out, you know, we've got, uh, we, we've moved our, our spring one conference to a virtual conference so that more people can attend, which I think it will, will be great because uh, it becomes very easy. If you're interested in attending, I'm not, I don't even have a discount code because it's free now. You can go to springone.io. Now you could try to use the discount code. I don't know where you would type it, but if you want to, you can use the code Cote Free. Uh, and I assume it will make it free since it already is free. You see how that, I have a philosophy degree, so I know how to do, uh, you know, if A, then B, and B, then C, then I can do logic. I forget what the upside down E's and A's mean, uh, but I could probably look at my notes from school. Anyhow, I've been going through and helping out with some of the uh, the kind of arranging in the agenda, and this thing keeps coming up over and over again called GraalVM, and I just can't help but say it that way. And I know that's associated with Spring Native, and this stuff has been going on for a while. So I was hoping maybe you could educate me on what all of that stuff is, because I know you keep doing these videos on Python and .NET, but I know you're a Java person at heart, right? So you must be, uh, as you drift off to sleep at night dreaming of donuts, you're probably like, grawl, grawl, and just dreaming of this stuff, because it sounds awesome. So what, what's going on with this Java Native business? Yeah, it's really quite cool. It's... Um... You know, for folks who've been around Java for a while, they'll have heard the term Java virtual machine, for example, and um, they'll, uh, you know, m most folks are used to running programs on their on their computer. Uh, you know, if you imagine you're in the command line uh, in Windows, if you want to see all the files that are in a folder, you'd type dir. That's a program, right? And that program executes really quickly, gives you a full list of everything that's uh, on on that particular folder. In Mac and uh, you know uh, uh, Linux and it's LS, but essentially you know it's a program, right? All those things are programs. Java virtual machine and Java programs, though they work differently. They need a virtual machine in order to operate. So um, you need this like um, middle layer that takes the Java code and turns it into something that can be run on the machine that you're on. It's very mm. flexible because it means that you can. Uh, you know, have a Java virtual machine for macOS and for Windows and for Linux, and you can um, run that even on different um, architectures, ARM or, uh, or Intel or whatever. But there's uh, there's a problem with having all that stuff in the middle. You know, it can make things a little bit heavy, and uh, it can sometimes like my middle. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Your middle's <laughs> just fine. Oh, thank uh, you. But what, yeah, so you end up with this sort of extra layer, and that can. There are some use cases where that's a disadvantage, right? Not many, because obviously mm -hmm. Java is huge and it's been very successful, but there are some use cases where that's a disadvantage. So having something that works more like a, a native program, like that DIR or LS, where you know it's instant and it's quick and it uh, has a low mem memory footprint, it's very high performance, that sort of native use of a program 
is quite attractive for certain use cases. A good example might be something like serverless, where in order to be able to react quickly, it's really helpful if your workload can start very quickly. So if right. you want really fast start times, then starting a Java virtual machine, going through um, the bytecode and, and compiling that so that it will run um, on that uh, machine takes a while. Um, maybe you don't want that in that particular use case. Maybe you want something faster. So that's what GraalVM does. Basically. So, so to, to, to summarize, it's basically, I mean, I feel like Java has tried to do this over the years so many times, but like it basically, uh, this is the wrong word, but, it, but well, maybe it's not. It basically, it compiles down your Java code into a, a single executable that doesn't have the Java VM. It actually makes it, because the Java VM takes your bytecode and does that for you kind of on the fly-ish sort of. That's inaccurate. But it does, eventually, you, you always get this this uh, executable code that has to run. But in this case, it's like, well, why not just do it from the get-go? And, I, you know, it must have been very difficult to uh, make that happen over the past 25 years. Is that how long it's been? Uh, so... And and the reason why that's valuable, other than just being cool, is like, well, sure, it's good to have you know nice startup times, but especially if you're looking to do like a cloud native style architecture, especially if it's running in Kubernetes, where each component of your application has very little guarantee of living long. I guess, I guess you could always say you can tell Kubernetes not to destroy it, but the intention is that your application architectures will have a bunch of ephemeral components that come and go as makes sense to, to Kubernetes. So if, if you're writing like a Java application, uh, your little Java bits are going to be coming and going all the time if you've architected it that way. Yeah, and there's another there's another quite interesting use case there, especially for folks running you know Kubernetes at scale, and that is that when you go through this process of creating a native image with GraalVM from your Java code, um, because you're sort of losing some of that um, chunky middle that we were talking about earlier, mm. uh, it means that you can sometimes also benefit from other impacts of that like lower memory footprint so if you imagine right. you've got a thousand containers and you manage to lower the memory footprint on those containers a little then your cloud bill will reduce so it's also sort of a cost saving measure in some cases as well it's not perfect because you if an application needs a lot of memory anyway naturally because it has a lot of data to work with or whatever it's not going to be hugely lighter but for some applications by sort of stripping away some of that stuff that's in the middle uh, the the just in time compiler and all the other stuff that's in there you can um see a, a reduction in the memory overhead as well okay. so so it does have definite um cost implications for those who are running at scale as well i think uh, okay. Okay. And so then, so the second part is like, so, so thus far we've mostly talked about like the concept of it and not concept as in it doesn't happen, but like generically what it is, but what, what's up with like Graal VM as its own thing, right? Like are, are there many different like Java native things out there and this is just one of them or like, is this the only way of doing it? Or like, how does that as a, as a, I don't know if, you would call it a brand, but how does it as a brand, as a project, as a product fit into all of this? 
I definitely say it's the most well known. I understand that there were other projects in the Java community to also mm. do um, a similar thing. And um, I'm not sure what the status is of those projects, so I probably shouldn't really comment on them. But um, but yeah, I doubt it would be alone because it's such a big community. There's always room for alternative implementations of similar ideas. There's also, um, you know, GraalVM is is associated with Oracle, so so there's there's sort of a a, a paid version and a and a kind of a, a free tier, if you like, as well. So there are different licensing implications sometimes with uh, with with GraalVM oh, yes. too. So you need to sort of figure out if it's the right thing to do for your workloads. Probably it's the right thing to do for some workloads, but perhaps not for all workloads. There are other constraints as well. Right, right. And and then and then my understanding is they Oracle contributed to the to like open JDK back in October. Now I, I I know that I am not up to date enough on like community open Java community open source stuff. So I don't want to like step down that path. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll go research that. I remember way back when, when I was still an analyst at Redmuck, I, uh, I I knew all of that very well when uh, Sun was uh, going to Oracle and everything. But nowadays, I'm not really sure what the deal is. But okay, so so GraalVM is basically Oracle's uh, implementation of doing um, native Java. And and as, as I was just saying, they've contributed to OpenJDK. So if you use OpenJDK, I, I assume that means it's in there, which is great. So essentially, most any you know, if you're doing Java development, you 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 have access to it now. We and in the Spring community, they have Spring Native, which which works with GraalVM. And um, I mean, I guess what I was wondering about that is like, like what is what by the nature of doing native Java would why does Spring need to be involved in that? Like, because it seems right. like it might be like you just do you just f pass in this one. It's always some hyphen uppercase X flag that you pass in, or at least in my day it was. But you just <laughs> pass a flag into the compiler and you're done. But like, so what? Why does Spring have to be involved with it? Right. So remember, we were talking about the Java virtual machine, the way that it works. It is very flexible. You can do things like modify the class path for something. Um, which would add additional features into your application, for example. So, oh, that was um, very, very well explained of what a class path does. You really, <laughs> uh, you really removed all the jargon out of it and just explained the outcome. Well, anyone who's run a Minecraft server and adds a modification, right, a mod, uh, uh -huh. they they will be adding extra programs. Oh, yeah, I guess onto that's true. Class path, right? Yeah, so, uh. so you know, it's so, so anyway. So. Putting that aside for a second, there's a problem. And, and the problem is that um, in order for things like GraalVM to be able to create your native application, it does static analysis on the code base to find out which avenues through the code are used and then compile those into native machine code right. that can run natively, right? To, to, now, and, and this may not be ex extremely accurate, so maybe it's more of a metaphor, but to put it the other way is it cuts out all the code that's not used. It does, and it needs to know ahead of time all the code that is used, and that's a problem because Java has quite a lot of flexibility here. There are things like reflection, 
There are external files that you might need to know about. There's all sorts of other stuff that also comes along with a Java application that you might not know about um, and that Gravia might not know about just by having a look at your main class and then figuring out you know, what it thinks are the, are the code paths. So that causes a problem for lots of um, frameworks, uh, including Spring. So there's been an awful lot of work done in Spring to um, bring in some new um, uh, innovations that allow that particular style of static code analysis to work correctly with mm. frameworks where where flexibility is the name of the game. You know, Spring has been its flexibility is one of its major benefits. It's um, inversion of control and um, ahead of time. Uh, uh, sorry. Um, Behind of time? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably some better phrase for it than that. <laughs> it's December. I'm struggling. <laughs> I need to hibernate. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to know about that that um, that is done more um, dynamically in in, right. in in Java and in uh, frameworks that rely on Java like like Spring. So there's been an awful lot of work done in Spring to make it compatible with that style of static code analysis ahead of time analysis, so that, um, that you can still write your code and use it in uh, in your in your application. But there are there are still some caveats there. There are still some things that you um, perhaps won't be able to do. So it's not suitable for every application yet. But uh, the compatibility is growing and growing and growing. And with Spring Boot 3 and Spring Framework 6, um, the compatibility is at such a stage where it's generally available for everyone. Yeah. And, and I get, you know, I guess, I guess to, to make, try to make another example, like, uh, if if you you know it's possible in Java and definitely in Spring to say like all right I have a a p I'm going to generate a PDF of this feature I want I want uh, I want to generate uh, Ben's internet bill so he can file a reimbursement to get home internet reimbursement which I I probably need to go do before it gets too far behind <laughs> so in in my program I need something that generates a PDF and you could at at building, you know, when you're writing the software, you could decide that I want to use this PDF engine. And so you just put it in there and then your Java native stuff is just going to pick out what it needs from the PDF engine. Or you could also say like, I don't know, I might want to swap in and out PDF engines depending on whatever. And so even though you've compiled the code, you can use some of the, the, the dynamic loading that Java has to like bring new PDF things in and not and like, so you've got, uh, I don't know if that example fits because maybe that's taken care of by like Graal VM stuff. But the point being that you can like actually change if if you're going to be doing things where you're changing the actual code that's running somewhere things get a little dicey if you needed to pre-compile everything by yeah there's no for example those mods we were talking about for minecraft they just wouldn't work in this scenario because it's uh, it's statically compiled you'd have to reboot Fine. the server basically well i guess you'd, you'd not only reboot it you'd have to recompile it You'd have to important. include all of that stuff from the start. You couldn't just patch it on later as an additional jar right. class path. So the class paths are fixed, for example. So if you have a situation where you can't have a fixed class path, then probably this style of compilation is not not for that particular workload. There you go. That's that's a good a good uh, shorthand way of thinking about it in the Java world. Is that like if you're doing not a native, if you're doing native Java, you can't ever mod you can't modify the class path. 
<laughs> like, and you can't even restart it. You just got to recompile everything, which, which, uh, you, you can't modify it dynamically as you yes, can, yes, as you exactly. can with regular Java. Yeah. You could, you know, with regular Java, it's just part of the command that you'd use to start the JVM. But with, um, a GraalVM image, it's more like you can't modify the DIR command, right? <laughs> because yeah. it's fixed. It's, it's code is its code and it doesn't change at runtime. Whereas Java is more flexible. But that yeah. flexibility causes it challenges in other other ways. But the Graal is great as well. I mean, in terms of you know speed up, um, I've seen from my own sort of messing about with it a while ago that if you had an application that maybe took three seconds to start, you'd probably start it in 0.3 seconds. So mm. so like a at least a tenfold <laughs> increase in starting. Yeah, time. that's and crazy. That, do, and that's conservative sometimes, you know. Do, does does the uh does the compiling time take longer? How does it affect that? It does, yeah, yeah. The compile time is longer. And um one thing if you know for folks wanting to maybe scratch the surface, a great way to do it is with Spring Boot because everything that you need is included in the uh, tools that you use to build with Spring Boot. So if you're used to Maven, for example, and you normally use um, you know, Spring Boot colon run to run your applications, you can use Spring Boot colon native image to build a native image. And the documentation is fabulous. The documentation for Spring Boot 3, I've just been looking through it this morning and it's really, really good. Yeah. So folks will find it very easy to get started if they want to give it a try. Well, that's great. I feel I feel as educated as I need to be, which I think is, uh, that's not always like how you get an A+, but it uh, it'll get you by in life. I think, but you know, I, I, I don't know this for sure, but no doubt at our spring one conference, if you're interested in Graal and spring native, I bet, I bet hopefully maybe I should go check and, and suggest if we don't have this, but we should have uh, plenty of content going over this stuff, uh, which there, there is, there is, I've seen it already. I think there is, which, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious, but, uh, you hey, know, are you it, doing a, are you doing a watch party? Do you know? Oh, Yes, I don't know if that's if that's supposed to be some sort of like I don't know why it would. Be. Oh, is it, it would... super secret squirrel? Okay, no, no, no way. I, I mean, I, I <laughs> if if it is, I I should advise someone that like you know there's whatever. Uh, yeah, we have we'll have one in the. Uh, I don't think there's a way for you to register for it or whatever. No, no, I, no. It's... I'm supposed to be hosting one like in the Amsterdam office uh, to to watch the stuff, which will be fun. I'll have to think of some speeches to give uh maybe raise up i'll raise up a glass of, of coffee well do share i'm doing the i'm doing the london one so uh, oh yeah, that'll do, be fun do share yeah 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 <laughs> that's good well well speaking of that if you're interested you can you can attend spring one for free if you go to uh, spring one.io and uh you can find out about all of that stuff uh you know and you can tend it i forget which dates it is in january but it's it's kind of in the third 24th? week of january maybe yeah 24th i think yeah, but it just go to spring1.io. I'll put a link in the uh, the show notes here, and you can check it out. And with that, we have a bit of a short one here. I'm going to wrap it up to go meet an old colleague downtown. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, if you're interested in the, the show notes for this, you go to tanzutalk.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can check out videos that we do there. Or uh, if you've watched this, and, uh, you know, you can also watch us do it live in YouTube and Twitch and uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, all over the place. We're everywhere you want to be. Wait, that was a slogan for some company back in the 80s. Was that AT&T maybe? Uh, don't know. They don't operate in the UK. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's
let's just go with yes. Yeah. What what funny. was what was the name of of BT's like logo? Didn't they have like a little mascot and and yeah, it's got it was, some name? Oh, I see. You know, you're giving away my age now, but I think it was Busby. I think it was Busby yeah. or something. Like you know, give us a buzz. Oh, that's Busby. nice. Something huh, like, like that. that. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.